for some reason in China and even in Taiwan, my brownness somehow is different because it's black, black from African, African American. Yeah. Like, even there are people literally the same shade as me, but people still stare at me. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I try and wrap my head around it. I try and be like, you know, understanding and not so judgy, but sometimes it gets hard because I, I'm a person. I'm right. different. It's, I feel like you should just look you're like, okay, that's different. And then go about your business. Like, you don't have to be all up in mind. Especially if you don't have to pay no bills. Like, <laughs> you try to hop on some of these bills, Sally May. Okay, she already started to ask for some of my money. So you can go ahead. If you're going to be all of my business like that, like, you can just go ahead and just Sally May a call. You know, I don't know. Taking donations or something. Hello, hello. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Kenya as the guest. Kenya has always loved languages and has studied quite a few of them, including Spanish and Chinese, even before going to college. And um, she studied abroad in Mexico and in China as an undergraduate student, but we actually spent most of her interview talking about her time in Taiwan. She has been living and working in Taiwan as an English teacher for going on five years now. And this summer she had actually um, <laughs> come back to Michigan to, you know, just visit her friends and family. And we were supposed to talk during that time, but you know, she just had so much love coming her way and so many people who wanted to spend time with her that it just didn't work out. So um, I didn't get to talk to her until after she went back to Taiwan, but it's cool. We made it work, had a great conversation. And um, so she told me about the triumphs and uh, tribulations of teaching, you know, being in a classroom every day. And um, also some of the um, unpleasant realities of being a black or visibly brown person in an Asian country. Uh, but overall, she seems to really enjoy living in Taiwan and says that there are tons of pluses, which you will hear about. And also um, she's incredibly passionate about kids and incredibly dedicated as a teacher um, and very passionate about education overall as well so you'll hear all about her journey thus far and where she might end up next and everything in between so uh, without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my friend Kenya Williams all right so, um, what was I about to say? But overall, you enjoyed your time back home? Yeah. I'm definitely glad to be back, though. Really? Yeah. It's weird. I have a, a very weird relationship with Taiwan. <laughs> when I'm here, I'm ready to go. And when I'm not here, I'm ready to come back. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, that kind of makes sense, though. I've heard that before, too, where this girl was saying, like, the same kind of thing, like she she'll be in a place and she'll hate it while she's in there. But then when she moves on to like something else, like move somewhere else or into a different phase of life, then she misses where she was before, even though she hated it while she was in it. Not to say that she hate being in Taiwan, but you know, it's a similar kind of thing. <laughs> Actually on the wrong day. 
Oh yeah. Which. Hmm. Yeah, I see your your posts. You know how you deal with um, so many things. People exoticizing you and touching you and saying off the wall things like. <laughs> I have developed a sixth sense for when somebody might want to touch my hair or even ask me, and I just let you zoom off in another direction. Mm-hmm. My hands will like be twitching at their sides, and their eyes will get this beady little look in them. And I'm like, mm-mm, time to go. I see what's going on. I see what's brewing there. You finna come up to me, ask me where I'm from, and then ask me to touch my hair. Nothing different. People never ask me about me as a person. They're just always curious about where I'm from or my hair. That's it. Yeah. That's a shame. Because it's, like, it's, like it's like you're not a person at that point. You know? You're like a, an attraction. Like, a, you know, like in the, what's it called? Mm-hmm. Like at an amusement park, like you're an attraction at a like at an amusement park or a zoo or a museum or something. Like you're not even a person at that point. So often people ask me where I'm from and then just walk away. Like that's all they need to know is where I'm from. But I, I'm I've decided I'm going to stop answering that question if people don't first ask me my name. Right. They'll just be up. Oh wow! They'll just walk up to you, be like, "Where you're from?" and then that's it. Especially if they hear me speaking Chinese, they're like, "Where are you from?" And I'm like America, and they'll go out something else. Like that's all they want to know. Mm. Like, brown person to speak such good Chinese. I do a business. Right, right. Don't even know where I'm from. It happened one time, like when I first got back, and I just decided, you know what? Like, whoever asks me where I'm from next, I'm not telling them. Like, none of your business. That's exactly what I'm gonna say. Yeah. And then you'll see another post to see how that goes. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> but I admire you for hanging in there um, through all the, like, the daily, you know, the mess and whatever else you deal with. I, from what I can tell, sometimes your kids give you a lot in terms of just not, like, maybe not necessarily in terms of you being Black, but just, like, being a teacher and trying to wrangle them together and getting them to listen or do assignments properly, that kind of thing. These are kids. Yeah. Yeah. How long has it been now that you've lived in Taiwan? Um, it's been four years. It's almost my fifth year of teaching. Wow. That's a long time. Yes. I don't <laughs> even know how five years happened. Like, what? Wait a minute. Yo. <laughs> How did this happen? I'm going into my fifth year mm-hmm. living and teaching in Taiwan. It is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Had um, you? Oh wait, dang it! I always do this. Okay, before I ask you any more questions, can oh, you introduce yourself? I always forget to ask people to introduce themselves. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, um, do I have to say hi? If you want to, you feel like you don't have to. <laughs> hey, that's how it goes, you know. Uh, what's up, everybody? My name is Kenya. I'm from Pontiac, Michigan, Yaktown. Can I do that? <laughs> um, let's see. I graduated from Michigan State University with a bachelor's in education, uh, secondary education, to teach Chinese and Spanish, but I never took. One more test that I needed to take that I haven't taken mm-hmm. uh, to like 
be able to like teach Spanish and have to pass an oral test if I was afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been living in Taiwan basically since I graduated. Um, right after I graduated, I moved here in through the Fulbright program. I got a Fulbright grant to teach English in a remote um, village in eastern Taiwan. And then I just stayed. And then I stayed again. And then I kept staying. And so now I'm in my fifth year. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thank you for that. Are you still... Are you still in that same area of Taiwan? Or did you move? I know you said with you're not with Fulbright anymore. Each year, I've managed to move farther north, uh, okay. which is which is further away from like my my best friends, like people I've known in Taiwan the longest. Mm-hmm. So my first year, I lived in in Ilan, which is on the east coast, and then in my second year, I moved to the north uh, to a place called Beito, uh, which is famous for like hot springs and all that. And then in my third year, which I which is where I live currently, I moved even further north to a place called Danche. Okay. And that's I'm just going I'm going northwest. I see. Maybe I'll make my way around. I, see. <laughs> I have a friend who's trying to entice me to take a job in Taichung, which would take me if this, my hand is Taiwan from this side on the east. To the north and into the west. Right, gotcha. Right, because maybe I go down south. I'll make make a complete circle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, let's see, where should we start? Um, I know you said that you 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 studied abroad in China, and that was a while ago. You were concerned if you'd remember things or not. Um, <laughs> can you? Talk about a little bit about um, your your experience in China from what you remember. Um, so the program, my program required me to study abroad, and I had done like a, a seminar abroad like before I started at Michigan State, um, but that wasn't enough. That wasn't long enough to fulfill the requirement. So in 2012, I did um, like was it two months in Tianjin, China, in Northern China. And we were in a class basically with all kinds of people from all the world who were studying Chinese at that university. And when we weren't having class, we were traveling. So we went all over China. We went, of course, to see the Great Wall. We climbed a lot of mountains, which I didn't appreciate at the time, but Kenya, the Kenya of 2018 loves mountains. So we gladly go mountain climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, what else do we do? Um, yeah, that, when we basically just studied and traveled. Okay. And you were studying Chinese or was, mm-hmm. okay. Gotcha. I was studying Chinese. Nice. What, um, were you already at a pretty good level before you went or, um, Okay, so being there just enhanced it even more. I would, I would say I was at, so in 2012, I was one year away from graduating. Mm. And I would say I was definitely at intermediate high. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking. Reading is another story. 
Writing is another another story. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And what was your um what what sparked your interest in China or in learning Chinese in the first place? Um, well actually I just love languages, period. Um I started the first language I started learning was Spanish in, in middle school. And my school didn't have a lot of money, so they eventually cut the program. But when I got to high school, I had the opportunity to continue with Spanish. And then once I got to my senior year of high school, I had a free block, and they just just so happened that they were starting Chinese courses at my school that year. Mm. And so I was like, here I am, somebody who loves languages. So I'm just take this class, you know. Blah, blah, blah. I had no idea that I would like think the Chinese language was so cool, and then just like basically be kind of enthralled by it. Yeah. So I've been ever since then. Nice. Nice. And you said at MSU you studied both Chinese and Spanish? Because you were trying to teach both at some point. Okay. Yep. And I also studied like Korean, I took Korean for a semester, but I have also studied Korean on my own. And then I took Kiswahili as well for a semester. Ooh. Also in my final semester just because I had some like free time to fill in. Yeah. Like, why not? You, they speak they speak Kiswahili in Kenya, and one day I have to go to Kenya, and you know, I gotta be able to right, of course, pop it up with my, my Kenyan friends <laughs> in a, a native or uh, a local language where mm-hmm. people also speak English. You know, I just felt like I had to do that. <laughs> um. Okay. So wait, you said you also did a seminar before, uh, before like. Before freshman year, um, I, it was my mom who found out about it somehow. She got me signed up for um, a two week. They called it an eth, eth, how do you say this word? Ethnographical. Okay. Like, we were doing ethnographical studies of or something. I honestly don't remember. We were in Oaxaca, Mexico, for okay. for two weeks, which. Much to my set, the later on I found out is where like a lot of the Afro descended population of Mexico stay. Like I could have been chilling with my cousins and I didn't even know. Nice. But uh, yes, uh, yeah, two about a month before um, I started in the fall of two thousand eight, I went to Oaxaca, Mexico for for two weeks, and that was that was amazing. Yeah, that was real cool. We explored like. Um, the the ruins. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure now. The, I forgot the name. Starts with Z. Okay. Um, what else we do? I don't. I remember even less about that trip. But I just remember walking around after everyone before I went was cautioning me strongly to keep your bag tight, look around your shoulder. You know. Mm. Don't let your guard down. Yes, like danger is a threat anywhere that you go, but people kind of made me feel that if if I blinked, I would like be in mortal peril or something like that. Huh. But I remember like walking around by myself, like through the city that we were in, going to shops, talking to people, buying stuff, chilling, having fun, and just being at ease and comfortable, like. That is my impression of the city, and so I definitely want to go back. 
Okay. <laughs> was that um was that through MSU or is that like a separate program? Okay, that was through MSU as well. Okay. I have no idea how mom found out about it. She's like, you want to go to Mexico? I said, okay. <laughs> and that's when I got my first passport to go to Mexico. Oh, yay. So your mom has always been supportive of you, like, traveling out to other countries? Yes, she has. In fact, um, she's always been the first to tell me to just go um, when I went to Mexico. She said, she, like I said, she was the one who signed me up for that. And then when I decided to come to Taiwan, she was extremely supportive. Mm. She's not so supportive now that I haven't come back yet. <laughs> like, uh, just go has turned into when you're coming back. Uh, <laughs> you didn't think you'd be there that long. I have no idea. I have no idea I would be over there as well. Like, even now, I'm, when I think about it, I'm like, how did this happen? Right. <laughs> do you always... Do you, I mean, I don't know if you've even thought about this, but like, do you see yourself staying in Taiwan longer, maybe moving somewhere else or moving back to the States even? Like, where would you like to move next? If you do. That is question of the century. Right? <laughs> what I love about Taiwan is that it is a combination of everything that I love, like nature. The natural beauty of Taiwan is honestly... It's not a place people know about. Mm -hmm. Like, I swear, every time I just want to, I'm in Taiwan, they're like, oh, Thailand? No. Mm -hmm. Completely different countries, right? Um, Taiwan has a lot of natural beauty, which I didn't know was something I was interested in until I was in North Carolina and there. And Taiwan is very well developed, even more developed than, um, I would say, much of America. Transportation, healthcare, um, access to food, all of that is to a standard that I honestly, when I think about, yes, I would love to move back to the state because that's where my, my family is, where my home is, where my roots are, where my culture is, which is very hard to be um, away from your culture because that is what you, it, you don't notice how much you need it until you're no longer around it as much. Um, yeah. But I don't know what place I could live in in America and have all of those things. Oh, in addition, like vegan food, I can go anywhere and find food. It was not the case when I went home over the summer. Um, I yeah. ate natural food, which I love. I love hummus, but you know, you eat hummus every day for two weeks and you don't want to see no more hummus. But <laughs> that that is the question for me: is like, what place can um, can I have access to all the things that I want? So right now, I feel like I'm trading the the accessibility and the safety of Taiwan for less accessibility and less safety, honestly, um, mm -hmm. but a more fulfilling personal life. Um, so that is what I'm trying to figure out this year. Yeah. In Taiwan, or do I want to go to another country? Or do I want to go back to the United States? Because honestly, I don't know. Right. I know what kind of life I would like to live. I would like to live a life very similar to the one that I'm living, just maybe not necessarily where I'm living. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, it's a big decision. So, I mean, 
It didn't seem like a big decision when I came over here. I was like, oh, going to Taiwan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying another year. And five years later, I'm like, dang, you know, I got to have a life and stuff, you know. And then when you get married one day, have kids, and I have to think about all these other things. <laughs> Adults is it's hard. Um, I'm wondering though, so you studied you studied Chinese, studied abroad in China, and then you did Fulbright, full, and that is what initially got you to Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason why you chose to go to Taiwan specifically and not China? Um, China? At the time, I'm not sure if now they didn't have the English teaching assistantship programs in China. Mm-hmm. Um, Fulbright has two pathways that you can like participate in programs, either through graduate study or English teaching assistantship. Mm-hmm. And China only had the the former. So when I was deciding where I would want to go, you could only apply to one country. It was either a Spanish-speaking country um, or Taiwan. Okay. Uh, a big reason why I came to Taiwan is because I was honestly so much better at Chinese than Spanish at that point. <laughs> Which I, I know it probably never happened, but I hope my high school... Honest Spanish teacher never hears that because she had my she had, the, she had my skills on point. Like I was so good at Spanish, I could speak it without thinking. Could have all kinds of conversations. And now, like you asked me, what time is it? And I have to think. Well, like, uh, oh. <laughs> how do you say that again? <laughs> I know it. I just have to think really, really hard. So, so that was a big part of why I decided to come to Taiwan because I was much more familiar with the language. And the culture as well, because I was um, through Taiwanese pop culture. That was also a way that I learned to speak Chinese mm. so fast. Like a lot of my peers that studied with me, um, we studied two to four years together. Um, I advanced much more quickly than they did, and I think it's because I was always watching TV in Chinese and watching. <laughs> Listening to Chinese music and trying to learn, like I immersed myself before I even like went to another country. Maybe yeah. I don't have a Spanish and I'd be able to speak it now, but <laughs> um, yeah, those were probably the two biggest reasons why I chose to apply to Taiwan. And and so the you had never been to so when you went to China, that was the first time you had been to China, right? Can you tell again. You studied abroad in China. That was the first time that you had been to China? Yes. Okay. And then when you moved to Taiwan, that was also the first time you had been to Taiwan, right? So, huh? What? I don't, I, don't, I don't really want to go back to China. Oh, okay. Any particular reason why? <laughs> um, that was the part I left out. Um I think it would be different now, but um, and of course, I'm certain also that different places in China are are just every place has their own vibe, their own thing. But um, I just found the curiosity of people about me to kind of overstep the the bounds of what is proper and polite. Mm. Um, like people touching me without interacting with me at all. Mm. Not even saying hi, just coming up to me, rubbing my skin, touching my hair. Um, 
taking photos of me, um, standing next to me to take a photo with me, with, you know, without interacting with me. Mm. Uh, um, and we were visiting one of the sites, I think it was like the Imperial Gardens or something, and me and my group of my cohort were walking in, and this lady literally grabs me to take a picture. Like, what? it doesn't say anything. And I looked down at her, and I'm just like, so purple. Would you just grab somebody and take a photo with them? Like, do you think I'm a part of the attraction? Like, I don't, I don't understand. But like, I had a lot of interactions like that that really made me feel uncomfortable. Um, and of course, eyes are always, always on me. People stare here in Taiwan, but they have the sense, the good sense that if they, if you're, you catch them staring, they will look away. Oh, okay. I would be having staring messages with people like. They're staring at me. I look at them. They Most still people look like that for like three seconds, right? Maybe two. They still stare. <laughs> they still stare. And it would just blow my mind. Like, how are there people who do this? You just stare at people like this. <laughs> and, like, I've tried to, like, you know, like, think about it from multiple perspectives. Like, I don't really know what it's like to be in a place where, but I don't know, I feel like even that is a bit of a, an excuse because there's genetic and physical diversity in China as well. There are people who are brown, maybe not as brown as like some, I'm, I'm medium brown, like maybe not as brown as some other people, but like brown people exist. So it's like, it's not that odd to see somebody who is brown, but for some reason, in China and even in Taiwan, my brownness somehow is different because it's black, black from right. African, African American. Yeah, like even there are people literally the same shade as me, but people still stare at me. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I try and wrap my head around it. I try and be like you know understanding and not so judgy. But sometimes it gets hard because I, I'm a person. I'm right. different. Yes, I feel like you should just look. They're like, okay, that's different. And then go about your business. Like, you don't have to be all up in mine. Especially if you're trying to pay no bills. Like, <laughs> you try to hop on some of these deals, Sally Mae. Okay, <laughs> you already started to ask for some of my money. So you can go ahead. If you're going to be all up in my business like that, like you just go ahead and give Sally Mae a call. You know, I don't know. I'm taking donations and something. Oh, goodness. Uh, I do want to go back. And I think to China, and I think now that my Chinese is even better than it was then, and I can like, defend myself um, and express myself, that I would go back because there are a lot of things that I would like to see. Yeah, I just barely want to have to like deal with it. You no, know, it gets to be a lot. Yeah, especially since news of uh, a guy from Detroit actually who was defending himself in a bar fight or something like that has gotten jail time in China. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the specifics of, of the case, but um, it's a guy from Detroit. I remember this. And he did not hate the organization, but he is the one who is serving jail time. Or he is serving jail time, even though he was reacting and not initiating um that's what i remember and so like i don't want to 
know, anything to pop off and then I get in trouble. I suffer like repercussions, right. you know, necessarily recover from um, stuff like that. But I would like to go back. I just, it, it is not easy to be brown. Yeah, I got to the point where I would wear sunglasses so I could pretend I don't see people looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh man, Kenya, wow, you've had to deal with so much. <laughs> I don't even feel like that much, but like when I think about it, it... yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe like you kind of just accept it. I mean, it still is something you don't appreciate, but maybe part of it is something you kind of expect or you accept as part of living where you are. So maybe that's why it kind of, or maybe it happens so frequently that maybe you forget and that's why it doesn't seem like that much. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I admire you being able to just keep pushing through, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I have to fortify the, the fortress that is my mind. Yeah. I can be back in an environment where I'm kind of treated like um, not even an uh, amusement park attraction, like a zoo attraction. Like, that's literally what I felt like. So, yeah. in Taiwan, it's, it's different. It, it's different. Like, people stare, people say rude things. Mm -hmm. But it feels easier to isolate myself from from that than yeah. yeah. But that was two months now, six years ago. So I want to give it another try. Yeah. Maybe do you have like a friend that you trust or that you could you know stand to travel with that maybe you could go together so it won't just be you? Um, I have tons of friends in China. Um, I just don't know how to get in contact with them now because you know Facebook. You can't use Facebook in oh. Taiwan um, or in China, sorry. Or it's harder to use. And so unless I have their email, I have um, And then I don't know if you know Patrick Harris. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's he's going to China in November around Thanksgiving, and so I'm thinking. About, yeah, I'm thinking about going. For like a weekend to what do you want? Think you want to Beijing or Shanghai? One of those, one of those two big cities. Yeah, you'll be like five days. So I'm thinking about going there to like hang out with him. That would be fun. That would be fun. And I haven't seen Patrick in literally years. Yeah. So that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and y'all are both teachers too, right? He's out of was it DC? Yeah, he's in DC. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Wait, what? What did you? Do? Well, you can come to DC. We'd love to start a Chinese program. <laughs> Would you I, want to DC? Oh, I don't know. I feel like wherever I go next, I kind of just have to go and yeah. just reacclimate myself and make it work. Mm -hmm. so, That'll yeah. be what it, what it has to happen because I don't know if I'll live in a place with such perfect conditions for like right. for life. I feel like Taiwan is a place where 
like the way the society is set up, it's set up to sustain like like to sustain people to invest in people or there's more of that than I see in in American cities at least. Right. Definitely, right. you know, don't say it's perfect and there are a lot of things that I don't know about that go on just because I'm not from here. Mm. Uh, and I think of course Taiwan does have have its own issues, but I will say like as far as like living is a great place to live. You know? Whether or not everyone has access to it, you know, um I can't say anything about that, but it is there. Mm-hmm. Like the infrastructure is there and it is well maintained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good to know. That's good to know. Wait, I'm sorry if you this already, but so at MSU you were studying to eventually teach Chinese and Spanish and then you ended up teaching English in the Fulbright program. Is there, was that, had you planned to teach English as well or was there a particular reason why you went that route instead of um, teaching other languages? Initially I came to Taiwan because I was thinking I'll go to Taiwan, I have a chance to like with my Chinese and learn more about Chinese culture and see if like I like teaching English and then I was like, Oh, I actually like living here. Yeah. So <laughs> that's how that happened. Like, um I was just, you know, trying to see like is that something I would like to add to my list of certification. Um and then didn't want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. Like now I'm I'm um with the idea of going to grad school either to get officially certified in um, teaching foreign languages, teaching English as a foreign language, or like policy. Okay. Doing something policy related. Yeah. I don't know. Policy or? Yeah. Okay. And uh, you said you're not on Fulbright anymore. So you said it was like a limit of two years. Did you do two years of yeah. Fulbright? And then you, okay. How does teaching? So my first two years were were, were through Fulbright. Okay. Uh, the first year that we were like one year. It's like there were sixty-ish of us. Now that number has has jumped even higher. Mm-hmm. But in the second year, people can say a second year. There are even fewer. Um, there are only six the year that I did it. It's six of us who stayed the second year. Yeah. Okay. And excuse <clears> me. <throat> How does teaching with Fulbright compare to teaching now as as you experience it? Is there any huge difference or I definitely think um it really just depends on where you teach. Um with Fulbright or even more, um Fulbright definitely inflates us from a lot of the bureaucratic stuff that goes on in schools mm-hmm. and whereas if you're working in Taiwan through like a Taiwanese school um then there's you also have to think about is the school uh, a cram school is it a public school is it a private school all those places are very different yeah. um and they have different they tend to have different environments and like different different issues as well um, I've never taught in a cram school, just because I like being in a school school. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I teach in a private school and that definitely is a lot different from teaching with Fulbright. When I was with Fulbright, yeah, I taught a lot of kids. I had a lot of classes, but I had someone in class with me all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a Taiwanese person to help me manage the classroom, to help with any issues where with communication and things like that. And sometimes even like teach the class with me. It's supposed to be that way, like a co-teaching situation. Um, and like I said, that varied, that experience varied from place to place for all of us people who are placed yeah. or as in the teaching assistance. Um, but now at the private school, I teach even more students. Like the smallest class that I have has 21 students, but all the other classes have no fewer than 35. There, but how do you teach that many kids? Up to 50. Like the, some of the senior high classes have 50 kids, and I teach. Um, let's see, I've taught listening and speaking, I've taught uh, language arts, I've taught writing, I've taught literature, I've taught drama, I've taught conversation, I've taught six different subjects, mm-hmm. and usually I have four, four to five different subjects, and at least four classes per subject. And those classes are all very different. None of those classes are ever the same. So, like, wow. there's a lot of. If it, it, it honestly, it just depends because teaching could be very easy. I can make my life easier, but mm-hmm. I'm a perfectionist. When it comes to like children, I don't play around with children, and um, I'm very insistent on making sure that what I give in the classroom is the best that I could do, yeah. regardless of whether or not it wasn't the best. That I, it wasn't what I wanted to do, but it was the best that I could do. It always be the best mm-hmm. that I could do. So it's very hard to give when it comes to content for so many different subjects and for so many different classes. And then not to mention that kids need a lot. Yeah. Like aside from like just teaching them, you actually have to like interact with kids, mm-hmm. which is my favorite part. But that it takes a lot out of you mm-hmm. to be doing so many different things with so many different kids and like trying to, um, you know, fill so many different needs and not always knowing how to, whether or not you can. I, mean, I don't want to overstep any boundaries of someone who's not from here um, or making the assumptions about the way that I was taught to do things that, you know, takes the position that the way that I do things is better just because it's different. Um, you know, all of those things, play out in like my day-to-day life like trying to navigate uh, a different cultural landscape um being very different culturally from the people that i'm around and like yeah trying to make those two things like work together sometimes it can be it can be it's demanding yeah yeah, it sounds pretty demanding, but it's good. Um, it sounds like you're really dedicated as a teacher and you really do try your best. Because um, I know, well, you had always wanted to be a teacher, so maybe it's a little different, but I know a lot of people will go to Asia to teach. Maybe they're like enamored by that particular country and te- teaching is just the easiest way to get there. And then, 
they kind of get disillusioned with it, you know, and maybe don't try as much. So it's good to know that you, even though you had already wanted to teach, like that had, that had been what you were like studying and training for for so long. It's good to know that even with all the difficulties, you're still trying to do your best and you're still dedicated. And actually liking interacting with kids is a really big part of it. <laughs> it's good that you, you have. How many people I've heard say, I don't like kids. Why are you? Why are you a teacher if you don't like children? Like you have to like them. That's right. the big requirement. You have to like. Yes, they can be. They can be something else. Mm-hmm. They are something else. But at the end of the day, I still love them. <laughs> like I'll never stop caring for them and wanting what's best for them, even if I don't ever get to know them that well. Like once you, once I'm in your classroom as a, your teacher, that's it. You're mine for life. Oh, they're all mine. They're all mine. That's so sweet. That's so. They don't know it, but that's how I feel. Right. They're Kenya's kids now. (laughs) Well, I teach it now. Um, they have a bilingual program where in the senior high and in the junior high, there's like um each. Each grade level has a bilingual class, and each bilingual class will have a Taiwanese um, home teacher and mm-hmm. um, a teacher from an English-speaking country. So I have stayed. Actually, you know, I felt like I wanted to leave Taiwan now for about two years, but I stayed because I really love my home kids, and I really, really want to see them graduate. Yeah, I feel like once I see them graduate, I can then move on to do other things in education. Because I don't know if I'll be in the classroom forever or if I can even sustain being in the classroom forever. Right. So that I'm looking at trying to do other things mm-hmm. you know, within education, but not necessarily in the classroom. It just takes too much out of me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not from the faint of heart, from what I've heard and from what you've told me, you know. <laughs> you have to have a good, you have to have your self care regimen down. Yeah. At that your school has to you have to be in an environment where like I don't know you're not immediately drained as soon as you walk into like your school there's a, a thousand things vying for your attention you have no idea how you're going to to do all of those things like the environment that you're in also needs to be one where people are trying to like make positive positive things happen in that environment for not just the kids but also for the teachers yeah like that is key like i could teach for forever if i found a school that felt like that so that is that is rare from what i hear i don't know and it feels like you just kind of take what you get and leave what you don't get or like make the best of it which i don't know if i could do but Okay. And I wanted to ask you another question in relation to Fulbright. Did you have a host family when you first got to Taiwan? Um, only Elon had a host family program. <laughs> uh, so there are 16 of us my year. Um, yeah. and all of us, like the program said, it's all of us family. And I remember the day that I met 
by my family. So um, the husband and wife, they have three kids, uh, twin girls and a boy. The boy is older. And what they did is like um, we prepared gifts. And so I prepared a gift for them and they prepared a gift for me. Mm-hmm. And when we were going up to the exchange our gifts, the little girl, like at the time she was like, Walking up to me like, what is this human? She <laughs> was looking like really confused and maybe a little bit timid. Um, but her dad kind of like nudged her. She exchanged her gift, and then everything was fine after that. Like we went back to the table, we had dinner together, we chatted, and now as soon as they see me, they're like all over. So in like initially, they were like a little like apprehensive, but. After it's been five years now, I've maintained a pretty good relationship with them um, yeah. Yeah. this entire time. Like, it's gotten harder and harder as I move further and further north to go and see them as often as I did. Like, the first year mm-hmm. I moved to Taipei, mm-hmm. the second year I would go back almost bi weekly, mm-hmm. if not to see them, to see my other friends in, in Eli. And it's gotten a lot harder to do that because it takes me three hours to get there now. Um, instead of an hour and a half, but yeah, our my relationship with them definitely has been a sustaining force yeah. Uh, yeah. in you know making and helping me be able to live here for as long as I have because I do have have people I do have um, people who I consider family here, and so like even going back to Michigan. Um, and they came back here. It feels like I'm going from home to home. It doesn't feel all that different. I get a little Michigan because there's no public transportation and that that exists. Sucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, the whole family's awesome. Oh, that's it's wonderful. Wonderful. Um, and they're nature people, so like we'll always go like hiking together, and it's just the best. Yeah. Wait, what, what did you say? What kind of people did you say they were? Sorry, what? You said they're something people. I didn't hear what you said. What kind of people? They're a nature family. Like, the, the kids are not afraid of anything. They mm-hmm. are the most intrepid, adventurous, curious kids I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll pick up a snake with no fear. Mm-hmm. And just think about this. <laughs> <laughs> they'll pick up anything. Like, one time we were out somewhere, and one of the girls picked up a frog, and she just has it in her hand, looking at it, and I'm like, you're not going to put that down? She's like, why? I want to see it. Flying <laughs> <laughs> trees, everything. I love it. I love it. Those girls are going to like stuff when I get older. I love it. Oh, wow. And were you there, were you living with them during the whole time that you were with Fulbright, or was it just, okay. Um... Like, um, the way the host family program functions is that they introduce us to this family with the hope that we would exchange, you know, things with each other and get to know each other. And that mm-hmm. they, you know, would just be a research that sounds bad. Just like, um, they would, they would make Taiwan feel more like home for us. Mm-hmm. You know? And my host family definitely did do that. Okay. So how long was it then? Is then how long? How long were you staying with them, your host family? Oh, we didn't stay together. 
I had my own apartment and I would just like oh. go visit them. I see. Okay. Yeah. I didn't I got so okay. family most family name that's kind of confusing because most people would assume that when you have a host family they are hosting you. Right. But if there's we don't they don't know what else to call it, like Yeah. Oh the host family program. So could you just go over there whenever you wanted to, or was it like a set schedule? Mm -hmm. yeah. Were there rules or something as far as when you could go over to their place? Oh, whenever I want to uh, hang out with them, I'll just like message them and see like when they have some free time, and then we'll just go do something together. Like, okay. They well, never, never, ever, ever like hesitated to say, "Can they come over?" Wow, that's so good. Yeah. And it's so nice, like, the kids will all, like, they'll all be just, like, on me. And I'll be, like, Kenya under a pile of children. And we'll be, like, <laughs> watching TV, playing on a tablet, doing something. It's like being at home with all your little cousins. Like, all your little cousins want to be up under you. And, like, right. party will go away. But then a party is, like, okay, this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> Oh wow, that's so great that you ha you um, had that. You know, um, do you know why that area was the only like that city was the only one that had that program? Um, other places just hadn't um, set it up at the time. One other place I think now does have it because I do still keep in contact with with people from Fulbright, and Fulbright invites me to like the welcome dinner that they have for all of the ETAs mm -hmm. and like around. Is that like right at the beginning of the school year in September or October? They'll have like a, a dinner, and anyone who's still in Taiwan is welcome to come. And all the ETAs from yeah. all the locations around the country will all be in Taipei for a dinner. Mm. Yeah, so, some other spots are uh, because it's been so successful, right? Um, Elon, uh, they're starting that in their own places. Usually it'll be the coordinator who basically helps us with any issues that we can't solve, resolve on our own, who is like that person for us in, in Taiwan. But just like it's hard for me to like give everything that all of my students need to them as one person. It's also hard for the coordinator to do that. So it's good that I think it's good that Elon has that because if you are able to a good relationship with your your host family then they become like the people you call when you really need someone which can be really like really you know just a really good feeling yeah you have someone to turn to i'm gonna call them love right after i finish talking to you actually Aww. i haven't talked to them i'm overdue for a visit to elon okay well yeah i hope <laughs> to talk to them and that goes well and everything i did want to ask um since well i know you're still kind of trying to figure things out for yourself and like where you want to go next and everything but thinking about what you've done so far either like you know studying abroad in mexico or in china or even you know your experience being in taiwan for so long is there any advice that you would give to anyone regarding you know, studying abroad, living abroad, um, teaching, just like li advice that you think is most relevant 
that you would like to give someone at this point? Advice? Yeah. Or if, if it's not advice, any like major takeaways that you've had from your experiences so far? Like I said, like being in Taiwan honestly doesn't feel like I'm in a foreign country. Like mm -hmm. I'm very comfortable here. And I know that that is not everyone who is in a country that is not their home country. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes in a country that is your home country. Like a big part of what keeps makes me apprehensive about moving back to America is because the the racket that racism and prejudice makes there is just like overwhelming. And while I do still deal with things in Taiwan, it is to a much lesser extent. Um, you really just have to be very clear about what it is you want, right. what kind of life you want to lead, and whether or not you could lead that life wherever you are. Mm -hmm. And never to be afraid to, to leave a place, even if it is your own home, when it becomes a place that is no longer nourishing you. Right. Um, I would definitely say that is the, the biggest thing that, the biggest lesson that I've learned in these years in Taiwan is know what you want, know yourself, um, and firmly kind of like establish boundaries for like what you will take from life and what you want to take from life. Right. Like, yes. And it's hard. It takes time. Like you'll find, I found myself in, at times like doubting, regretting, wondering if it had to be here. But life is all about give and take. Like no place that you go will be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so you have to make the best out of and learn the lessons that you can learn from every experience. Right. And it's all about growing. Just continue to grow. Continue to grow yourself as a person and surround yourself with people who are trying to do that as well. That's definitely what I feel right now. It's <laughs> important. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. Thank you for that, Kenya. I also wanted to ask, I know you said it's been a while, you might not remember. Did you um, did you receive any scholarships that helped you uh, when you went to Mexico, you went to China, or was there other ways that you were able to get funding? I know it's yeah. been a while. It was, I was eligible for financially um, okay. for, for both of those, for both the seminar and the study abroad. Nice. Okay. So financial aid through MSU is what helped you the most? I've never had luck with scholarships. Okay. So when I articles online, BuzzFeed and whatnot, you know, talking about this person got their entire um, tuition covered for, like, so-and-so got hundreds of thousands. Like, I, I don't know how they do it. Mm -hmm. I definitely applied. I've just never had any luck. Right. Right. So aside from what um, what grant money and um, and whatnot that MSU gave everything else 
That's real. That's real. Okay. And then last time do it i found a way my mom found a way for me um it's just always we just always found a way to make it happen when i went to china there was also an issue with funding i don't remember how i made it happen but i made it happen somehow yeah and i got there and i did enjoy myself right there was like i said there's good and bad it was good and bad mm-hmm. yeah. well um Thank you so much again for taking the time to talk to me today. It seems like you're pretty, you're having a really fun evening or night so far. Um, <laughs> um, you know, going to a pool party and having other plans. So I hope you enjoy all that. Um, I just wanted to ask you last question: Where can people find you online if you'd like them to find you? Um, sure. Ready to shout yourself out, just, please. Send a disclaimer because last night they messaged me saying to be a video photographer or something like that who was doing a music video and he's a model with the dance and like off off rip like that is this how you do business I don't know you are you legitimate you know so just let me know who you are right that you heard me you know such and such and that you know you wanted to don't just say hi if you say hi I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore that because I don't know who you are. <laughs> get tons of weirdos and you know that second messenger inbox that you have mm-hmm. when I discovered that I was like oh my god who are all these people right right but I am more than, I, I love to meet new people anybody who wants to ask me any questions or anything like that definitely feel free to send me a send me a line okay so where where is that that they can find you uh, you can find me on Facebook. Okay. It's for Kenya W. Uh, or email. Okay. Kenya Williams at gmail.com. Kenya T. Williams. Okay. All right. Well, wow. This is really great. I feel so much more awake than I did when we first started. <laughs> Boy, Jewel. When I. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I know I don't even like calling people sometimes because the time is so hard to grab. It's yeah. either at a really inconvenient time at night or really inconvenient. Yeah. There's, there's somebody's either a real late, somebody's up real early, and that's just how it has to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. it's rough. I know. It's really not. I just I thought I would be more alert than I was when I actually got up because I get up around this time every day anyway but today it just was not happening so i'm just like okay i need to be alert for this i need to be alert for kenya and now i do actually feel very much alert thanks to you so <laughs> thank you for that um but yeah i'll leave you be so you can enjoy your saturday night and um i hope whatever decision you make wherever you decide to go moving forward that it's you know the best choice for you um, and I hope you continue to you know be an awesome teacher and you know just do your best thank you 
maybe maybe I could be on another episode, you know, at some point in time. I'm doing something else cool and teachable. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we can make it happen. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll talk to you some other time. All right, Kenya. Peace. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Kenya for being such a wonderful guest. And I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on the website, younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, good news, we are on iTunes and Stitcher now. So if you like what you've been hearing so far, then please keep listening on SoundCloud, Acast, iTunes, or Stitcher. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or you would like to be a guest yourself, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for next week, I have a pretty cool dude on as the guest. He uh, works in public health and uh, did work uh, relating to public health in South Africa while he was an undergrad and in Lebanon while he was in grad school. And then uh, while he was in Lebanon, um, after his practicum was over, he took some time to go to Palestine to visit his family there. Um, He is Palestinian American, so um, he talked about what it meant to Uh, be able to meet his people there for the first time and also uh, what it took to get into Palestine in the first place. Um, It's a pretty interesting story, Um, but you'll hear all about that next week. So until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.